Wow. Let's clap it up, church. Wow. So good. Thank you. Hey, we're going um, to go old school this morning. I almost said this evening because it's dark. We're going to lighten this place up when we get to Redland. Um, going to go old school this morning. Uh, but before we do that, um, I want to bring your attention to your highlights bulletin. Um, please, uh, you can take a look at these real quick. I, I won't go through everything, but uh, we have some events coming up here soon. Um, today is Super Steps. Um, yep, today is Super Steps. We've got some new superheroes lined up, and we're ready for you today. And uh, Step two is next Sunday. I want you to pay particular attention to June 17th. We will not be at Shady Grove Middle School. We'll be meeting at Redland Middle School. It's about five minutes away from here. Um, they're doing some construction all throughout the school. And so we'll be meeting there from June 17th until August, I think, the 19th. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we'll be there for two months. And so on and so forth. This is golden. We're going to have uh, fun HL hangs on June 23rd. Good time outside. And uh, we have some highlight the city opportunities where we get to serve as a church in our city. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus in our city. Um, if you are a professional of any kind or any type, which I'm sure you are, June 28th, we're going to host a career day for the young ladies of the Keys to Success program. These are teenage girls who have had children, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and they need some guidance. They need some light. So um, we'll get more details out as to how you can become involved with that. We're going to be hosting that as a church, and it's going to be fun. If you could please stand to your feet for the reading of the scripture today. Thank you. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Um, if not, we have three big Bibles here, one, two, and three. And, uh, you know, we built this church for people who, yes, know Jesus, but more so for those who don't know Christ. So we want to make it as easy for you as possible to follow along. Sounds good? good. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, we're going to read Psalm 23, and it says this here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a feast for me. This is my favorite part. In the presence of my haters. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. All rap music has done is stolen from God. Like God's been bragging. You know what I mean? He says this. <laughs> Andy, don't start. Messed up my, my, my holy flow. Here it is. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. The word anoint means to smear oil or to set apart. Well, it's for the purpose of setting apart. This is King David. He's the author of this psalm. And he says this here. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love 
will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord. Because this isn't all it is to life. Eternity is where we're going. Let's give the word of God a hand clap and you can have your seats. Take your seats. Thank you so much. Woo. I want to bring a message to you entitled God's heart for me. God's heart for me. I want to encourage you to um, make this message personal to your life today. I pray that that's what you do when you go to church. We're not just kind of wasting our time. We could otherwise be eating, having fun with our family and friends, but make this personal. Open up your heart today. God has something to say. God's heart for me. The author of this psalm, like I said, is King David. And uh, let me get my stuff right. I want to sit down. Ah, It's been a long two weeks for you, Pastor. Eventually, I'll stand up. All right. King David was the second king of Israel um, about 3,000 years ago. And in his youth, he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. So he was, number one, shepherds uh, in biblical times. It's a very demeaning job. It was the lowest on the totem pole to be a shepherd. And so David, in his youth, he was a shepherd. And um, you see throughout the psalm here that he's reflecting quite a bit on the heart, or at least the heart a shepherd should have. And so um, God eventually calls him to be a king at the age of, I would say, about 15. Many historians think it was anywhere between 10 to 17 years old. I, I just knock it up to 15. I'd encourage you, if you don't know where, where to read, where to start in your Bible, definitely always start with Jesus. But if you want a great storyline, someone that, that sounds and looks just like you and I, someone that's imperfect, that has some cracks, that's broken, read the story of, of David. Um, what's that, 1 Samuel 14 to, I think, 2 Kings chapter 1. David spans almost two chapters in the entire Bible. I've always said if Jesus was not in the Bible, David would be my favorite character. But it's impossible for Jesus not to be in the Bible because he's revealed in all 66 books. So wherever you start in the scripture, it can be Genesis 1, it can be Revelation, you're reading Jesus. As a matter of fact, when you have your Bible in your hand, you're holding Jesus. John uh, chapter 1 says that in the beginning was God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you're holding your Bible, you're holding Jesus. He's speaking to you. So it's impossible for Jesus not to be in in the Bible because he is the Bible. But with all that being said, David would be my favorite character. He's just like us. And so uh, Samuel goes to anoint David because God has chosen a king for Israel. Uh, king Saul is unrepentant. The first king of Israel, he's, he's in sin, and he won't turn to God. And so David's like, I'm done with Saul. I need a new king. I've chosen a man after my own heart. It's funny that God refers to David as a man when he's a teenager, but he does because God sees us through our potential, not our present. So as a 15-year-old, he says, I I found a man. I I found 
uh, a faithful husband. I found uh, someone that's responsible with their finances. I found a person who, when I exalt them, they're going to point people to me. I found a man, not, a, not someone that's chasing money and women and things and status and popularity. I found a man. And so he spoke to his potential. And so he's 15, and, and, and it's funny because you go and you read the story in First Samuel, and uh, 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 Jesse, his father, brings all of his older brothers to the anointing ceremony. And Samuel's like, no, it's not him. No, it's not him. He looks tall. He's handsome. He has curly hair. He's, lying. He's the one that's going to get the inheritance, Jesse, when you die. But it's not him. It's not any of these. For man looks on the outward, and God looks at the heart. So don't look at me. Not me, but this is for you. Tell people, hey, don't look at me. Because what you see is not all there is to me. Don't look at me. I'm, I'm not just a single mom. I'm not just a struggling father. I'm not just a college student. My heart's big. I'm going somewhere. And so David comes to the anointing ceremony. Samuel anoints him. And David goes from lowly shepherd to about a 20-year journey of becoming king. So, you know, he kills Goliath. Bam! Your greatest opposition is your greatest opportunity. Your, your greatest opposition is your greatest opportunity. Overcome it. You will not step into your next level of blessing until you overcome your greatest opposition. At a certain point in David's life, his greatest opposition was Goliath. For some of us, it's patience. For some of us, it's that unhealthy relationship we're in, and we need to move away from that house and break up with that person. You won't experience it until you overcome it. For some of us, it's forgiveness. But a 20-year process, and um, if you read David, he's in wars and battles and enemies, and and this person that he thought was going to be with him turns their back on him, and this person, these individuals try to ambush him, and he's poor, and there's no money, and there's no food, and he, he, he breaks a sacred law in the scripture just so he can eat and, and, and read, read David. And then in Psalms 23, the context is this. He is an established king. He goes from the cave to the castle, and he begins to reminisce and reflect. And I don't know if it's for you, if it's going to be from a hut to a mansion. I don't know about that. That's between you and the Lord and how you steward your money. <laughs> it's not as much between you and the Lord as much as how prosperous you are, how, how you steward your finances. But I'm talking about a state of the soul. That There's a place that you can exist on the inside that causes you to prosper on the outside. From the cave to the castle. And so he reflects on God the Father being a shepherd. A shepherd, a shepherd. Let me go to my notes here. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I love it because he makes it personal. Now, we have different kinds of sheep. I did a lot of study 
I was in Florida this week with my dad, and we'll get into that. I did a lot of study on, on sheep behavior. You ought to look it up, sheepbehavior101201.com. You should look it up. So there are different types of sheep. There are hard-headed sheep. There are unfaithful sheep. There are sheep that just, they just want to go off into the cliff and just dive into the ravine. It's just crazy. And so David starts Psalm 23 off, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is weird. This is interesting because we just mentioned how shepherds had the lowliest of positions. This, this does something to our paradigm if we allow it to. The almighty God who created heaven and earth, who created the universe, the judge of all souls, he is my shepherd. Jesus came on the scene, who is God in the flesh. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. He says he is my shepherd. He makes it personal. Let me just say this. Whether you're a hard-headed shepherd or a faithful shepherd, uh, a faithful sheep, God is still your shepherd. God still wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. I think the most, uh, mm, how can I put this? I believe the most dangerous thing about life is being self-led. That's the age we're living in now. It's the philosophy, the doctrine, the, the, the spirit of the age is me. It's me. It's me. And at the core of it, if you ever study, and I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't encourage this, but if you would ever just study the definition of uh, satanic worship, it's about me. So it's not new age, it's satanic worship. It's not self-help, it's satanic worship. It's about me. The very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven was, hey, it's about me. Worship me. It's all for me. It's my goals and where I'm going and where I'm headed. And, and this is the danger in that. It's that I can be outwardly successful, but inwardly I can be dying. So David reflects because through all of the despondency, the poverty, the backstabbing, the, the betrayal, the, the hardship, his own sin, his own brokenness, he understood this. The best place for my life to be is right behind Jesus Christ. The lover of my soul. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. David made it personal. We, look, sheep also... Sheep were an object of property in biblical times. So he understood this. I belong to God. The Bible says that the fullness of the world, the fullness of the earth is the Lord and everything therein. So not only does God own the cars and the buildings and the money and the houses and the hills and the, and the job that you work at and the money that's in your pocket and the breath that's in your lungs, and, and not only does he own the stage and these TVs and these speakers, he owns me. David, David understood that, man, if, if this is God, this is the safest place for me to be. Wherever you go, Re- read your Psalms. Under the refuge of your wings, I am safe. Read them. 
Psalms is for the heart. Proverbs is for the mind. Wherever you go, God, I go. Wherever you, don't worry about it. Pay attention to me. I know, I know it fell. Wherever you go, I go. I'm trying to illustrate something here. But, the, but what typically happens with us is we say, all right, God, I'll follow you when I'm ready. And we try to get under things that can't cover us. Try to get under things that can't provide for us. And, and, a, and a shepherd's job was to protect, provide, guide, and keep. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. He made it, he made it personal. David understood his need for God and that in God he had all he needed. Come hella high water. My wife can leave me. My kids can leave me. You guys may not show up next Sunday. Hell or high water, I'm going with God. It's the safest. It's the best. It's the most prosperous place that I can be. I'm on a mission today to encourage you, but to also let you be known, let it be known that you don't have to waste another day empty. You don't have to waste another day in poverty of the soul. You don't have to waste another, another day lacking peace. You don't have to waste another day lacking joy. You don't have to waste another day outside of his protection. You can come, you can, oh boy, you can get under. When you want to cry, you can cry. When you want, oh, I'm going to my first point. First point today, when you need to find rest, number one, find rest. He said he, he leads me towards green meadows. And some of you are so tired right now. If I practice my sermon, I preach my whole sermon under here. I might don't go ahead and just try it. <laughs> point number one, find rest. I forgot my analogy. It's been a long two weeks. Good. All right, so, yeah, like, straight up. Um, I was in Orlando for the past, twice over the past 13 days. And uh, I have a, a sick father who's getting better, praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. Um, sick dad, healthy kids, you can't keep them in the hospital because they're always moving. They always have something to do. They want to get up. They want to, uh, I'm hungry. Uh. Boy, your granddaddy dying. Stand still. <laughs> Take something serious. Sit down. I got to pull. What? So pull and then just, um, you know, a, a growing church. So, you know, you're always getting text messages and phone calls and all that stuff. Just a lot of moving pieces. And then, you know, you try to patch this area. Okay, Dad, we're going to focus on you. Give all of our concentration and attention, our emotions here. Okay, you're fine. The doctors, the doctors were disagreeing. We had to fire his cardiologist and hire a new one. Like, we, we had to go way up to the executives because sometimes, you know, a lack of communication, there's a life hanging in the balance here. So, so within our leadership, uh, uh, 
thing here at Highlight Church, we have what's called close the loop because people's souls are in the balance. Did you call this person? Did you pray for this person? Did you do this? People, and, and we, we saw it firsthand at the hospital. Doctors were not closing the loop, and my dad was two days away from dying. So we focus all our attention there, but, but you know, okay, good. He's kind of stable. The doctor's on one page, and uh, all right, and then, oh, here's the kids. They're moving around, and these questions over here, and, and we went to bed Wednesday, and we didn't know what the bank account was going to look like and all that. And just the moving, the moving pieces. And I'm sure you got a lot of moving pieces in your life right now. Mom and dad are at odds. They're about to whatever, and, and your money's looking funny, and this person is ill, and you might be losing your job soon, and, and you can't get over this addiction, it's, but this part is good, and I try to get this part stable. This part gets out of whack. and now the, It's just a lot of moving pieces, right? A lot of moving pieces. And so the Bible says that God's heart is for you to find rest. So on this, this most recent visit, Kyra said, look, babe, we've been here two times in the past 13 days. And she said, let's, because her mom was selling a house. The, the, the house was empty. My, mom, my mom's home is full. And we just needed somewhere to get away for a little bit. And she said, let's, let's reserve a hotel room. And let's sleep in. Those words are like a billion dollars to me. Let's sleep in. Bro, we haven't slept in since we had, since I met you. We haven't slept in since we gave birth to Judah. So we got this hotel room next to the Millennium Mall, Spring Hill Suites. That's irrelevant. And we slept in, and we ordered Uber Delivers or Uber Eats. Yes, sorry. And we just had breakfast and bed. We found rest. Uh, Let me tell you something. It is not God's will for you to run behind the moving pieces. My mom, my dad, my... God wants you to have rest and repose. Sometimes the, the best thing you can do in any particular season is just rest. I don't care how young you are, 15, 16, 30, 40. Stop and rest. He leads me to green meadows. There were times when we dated where you couldn't get enough of me. But I just said, you know what? We need to take a break. And even, even in your marriage, I'm not saying leave the house or anything like that. It just needs to be you and God. That's why you have the Sabbath in the scripture. Now, the Sabbath was never meant to be a, a religious thing to where if you did not practice the Sabbath, you die and, and you go to hell. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of crazy doctrine out there. God, God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why did he rest? He didn't need to rest. He's God. He was setting an example unto us as humans that we just need to stop. And, and when you rest, you get the energy to go back out there and do it again. So, so we just simply 
rested. This is going to be a very simple yet profound message. Israel's ground is very rocky and it's barren. It's desert land. If you've ever been there, it's dry and it's scorched by the sun. Green meadows don't just happen. So what a shepherd has to do is he has to go out and he has to dig up the soil, work the, get the rocks out of the way and all the stones. He has to dig up the soil. He has to plant the seeds. Before the sheep get there, plant the seeds, irrigate it so that during a season, the crop can, can grow and come. He prepares this place. He goes back to the sheepfold. He takes them out of the fold, and he leads them to green meadows. And it's in the green meadows where the sheep rest, and they munch on the grass. God wants you to rest so that you can be filled back up. Some of y'all, you just need to put in for your vacation right now. Just put in for it. Some of you today, instead of working on the business, go home, open your Bible, chill, and rest. Jesus said this, <clears throat> Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 message. He says, are you tired? Got the verse coming? Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Religion is a routine. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. If you read the life of Jesus, you'll see oftentimes they were doing ministry, going, 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 and then he would say, rest. For my parents, get a babysitter, rest. Go on date night, rest. Work hard and rest. He says, I'll show you how to rest. Walk with me and work with me. There, there's a point uh, that you reach in your Christian walk in Christ that as you step into your purpose, you no longer feel as though you're working. And the, and the only reason that you get tired when you discover your purpose is because you're a physical being and you just need rest. But when you step into your purpose, you really don't get tired. You become exhilarated because you're following God. So he says, walk with me and work with me. What is he saying? He's saying that as you walk with me, there is rest within the work. That there's rest within the work. What I call you to, what I call you to, it may not be a hundred grand salary. It may be 50 grand. But why make a hundred grand? Why make five hundred? Why make a million if I'm never energized to enjoy what I make? When I can budget, honor God first with fifty, sixty, and live the best life that God has to offer in this world. Walk and work, watch how I do it. Whoo, I told you. The rapper stole it from Jesus. Look how I do it. Look how I do it. Learn the, oh, I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of, of grace. Let me, I want to I preface this. This isn't in my scripture, so I know it's from Holy Spirit. I'm in my notes, from, so I know it's from God. I'm so tired of Instagram. I'm going there. I'm tired of it. Y'all be out here styling, profiling. Yeah. 
tripping, knowing you're struggling. Instagram has become a force. Mm. Instagram has become a forced rhythm of work. And it causes us to think that you got it all together. When the very people I'm looking at on Instagram, I won't throw out any names, they're texting me midweek saying, hey, pray for me. One of the first things I want to do is say, get off your Instagram. Because you're lying to people. And you make people want to follow an outward appearance or a, a flash bite of something that is not real. You're living in a forced rhythm. So the first thing you need to do is rest from social media and get in God's presence. Ain't that good, Pastor Ed? All right. All right. Get off that thing. It's a forced it's a world thing. It's, it's, it's Satan. Once again, Satan. Oh, well, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, I'm off Instagram. <laughs> I'm a bank account in the red, man. You know, when you cry, I can't even understand you. Come on now. Like, let's be, let's be whole on the outside and on the inside. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have everything I need in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. And so Jesus says this unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Number two, it's God's heart for you to live at ease. It kind of sounds the same, but it's really not. One has to do with resting, the other has to do with living. Live at ease. So go back to my Psalm 23, please, uh, first two verses. <clears throat> he says this here, verse 2b, he leads me beside peaceful streams. One thing about sheep is that they become very fearful of aggressive streams because they don't know how to swim. One of my greatest fears over the past two weeks is I came face-to-face, and I don't want to be insensitive to this, so let me sit down. So I get sporty when I start standing. One of my greatest fears I, <laughs> I came face-to-face with this week is losing my dad. And I don't want to be insensitive to anyone who's ever lost a parent. I haven't experienced that yet, but it was a real fear. And I think the thing I jumped towards was, man, what is life going to look like him not being here after being used to him being here for 30 years. And it was a great fear. I had to come face to face with that reality. My dad, man, my dad, when he was in his prime, six foot four, 250 pounds. He was a man's man, man's man. Yeah, I'm five, nine. But you know, my dad, to me, growing up, he was, he was this. When you had questions, you went to him. When you needed answers, you went to him. When you needed some bread, you went to him. But, but now, Jesus told Peter this. He said, one day you're going to be old, and they're going to lead you to a place where you don't want to go. So now the roles are reversed. I'm the man, and he's the baby. My dad used to say it all the time, once an adult, twice a child. I never understood that. You're a man's man. 
and had to come face to face with it. He was in his bed, intubated, tubes in his throat, not knowing what to do. And and one of his dreams was, I never want to be intubated or or whatever. And I'm like, do we pull it or not? And and so they would do breathing tests on him. And and, and there's, can we, can we remove, can we extubate the tube? And they're like, no, he's not breathing on his own yet. I'm like, oh, this sucks, man. I just thought he was going to get a device placed on his heart, not a tube down his throat. And so you're thinking like, is he ever going to recover from this intubation? I'm going to have to pull this tube he's not breathing on his own. Fear. Streams of fear and confusion. Now, I don't know what your streams are. It could be inadequacy. Your stream could be, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Maybe you, you or someone you love just got the diagnosis. and You don't know if they're ever going to receive healing. I don't know what your streams are. Maybe you're in, a, in, a, in an abusive relationship right now. I don't know what your stream is, but what it's produced in your life is it's produced fear and uncertainty. Streams of failure. Maybe you've fallen in the past, therefore you're wounded and you won't try anything new to the glory of God. Streams of of fear that something bad's going to happen if you take this step of faith. A, A stream. A stream of fear. And, and in, the midst of, in the midst of just being tired, God said, Josh, go to the family room and pray. The shepherd of my soul said, go to the family room and pray. I need you to do two things. Pray and read the Psalms. He, he led me to a, a new stream. <laughs> the KJV version says, still waters. You got it, Pastor. Still waters. The NLT says, a pleasant stream. God wants to lead you to a pleasant stream. And you tap into that pleasant stream when you just Stop. Once again, and you allow him to lead you to the place of prayer. Jesus calls it your prayer closet. And you just let God know your heart. And you let him know the worries. And you let him have the doubts and the concerns. And you just, you just, you turn your worry into worship. You turn your problems into praise. You just, you just let him, you let him have it. Once again, you get on under him and you just cry. You cry out to the Lord. You hide under the refuge of his wings, and you pray, and you rest a new stream. Everyone close your eyes. A new stream. Every every worry that's on your heart, everything that's weighing you down, allow him to lead you to a new stream of peace. of expectation, of hope. Close your eyes. Just think on his goodness. Meditate on his love. A new stream.
a new stream. Close your eyes. Philippians 4, 6-7, the message. Close your eyes. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You can open them. God wants you to live at ease. There's a place you can get in your faith. Please hear me on this. Where no matter what you're going through, there can still be an ease in your soul. There can be an ease. I often wonder for myself, like, man, we got this person needs this, this person needs this, this person needs this, this. And it's like, how do, how does one man do it? God says, your job is to get to the stream. My job is to shepherd the people. Your job is to get to the stream. His job is to take care of the situation. Get to the stream. Shepherd leads them to still waters where your fears are dismantled and your strength is renewed. He wants you to live at ease. My last point today, pull up my psalm, please. I could have had this slides, but Psalm 23, uh, verse 3 says this. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Point number three, go in the right direction. It's God's heart for us to go in the right direction. We're going to close this thing out. Is everyone okay? Praise God. I pray that you're being restored. Some other thing I studied about sheep is they have strong flocking behavior. So they have a strong instinct to band together, which is good because if a sheep is alone for too long, they become depressed. In 2006, (laughs) in eastern Turkey, this isn't funny. One uh, smart sheep attempted to cross over a ravine, a deep cliff, and he or she ended up falling off that cliff to meet Jesus that day. 800 sheep followed her or him into the ravine, and I mean, and those 800 sheep passed away and they died. Jesus said this in Matthew 9. He said this, the message version, Matthew 9, 35. He said, then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. You can close that verse out. just want to tell you this. It's not God's will for your life to end up in a ravine. 
It's not God's will for you to end up in a ravine. The right direction, the right path, Psalm says. The word right in the Hebrew, the original language that Psalms was written in, is mashar. Mashar. So Jesus saw all the people in these towns and villages, and there was a common denominator, common denominators, bruised, broken, battered, downtrodden, tired. And he looked upon them with compassion, the NLT says, and he said they're like sheep with no shepherd. Psalm says he wants to lead you in right paths. The word right is mashar. That word right there means a peaceful arrangement to prosperity. Can I explain something to you? You being made whole is a byproduct of you following Jesus. You getting over the alcohol, getting out of the bed of fornication and lust, you, you, you getting over the anger and the hurt and the pain, only Jesus can set you free. And then at that point, you've stepped into the peaceful arrangement. There's an arrangement that heaven has a four established over your life that you only tap into when you go all in with Christ. And it leads to prosperity. David, the king, goes from cave to castle. Didn't have stuff. He had all the stuff. But on the inside, he was whole the entire time. God loves you, and it's God's heart for you to prosper. It's God's heart for you to be free. It's God's heart for you to be full. It's God's heart for you to have joy. It's God's heart for you to grow. It's God's heart for you to have a hope. It's God's heart for you to have a future. It's God's heart for you to dream. It's God's heart for you to make a difference. It's God's heart for you to make an impact. It's God's heart for your kids to have a legacy. It's God's heart for your children to prosper. It's God's heart for your grandchildren to prosper. It's God's heart for you to break through. It's God's heart for you to end up on top. It's God's heart for you to be blessed. It's God's heart. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you, Jesus, for being our shepherd. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to trust. Give us the strength, Lord, to give our lives to you. Lord, your word declares that you've dealt to each of us a measure of faith. God, allow us to use that faith in trusting and following you. You are a good God. But every head bowed, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life,
I want to extend this invitation to you. Church, let's pray. With every head bowed, I want to extend this invitation to you. God loves you. Christ died on a cross for you. Because as humans, we are sinners, we've missed the mark. But Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, and he hit the mark. And he died on your behalf so that you would have true life in him. And then he rose from the grave so that you would rise over every opposition, so that you would rise over death, so that that you would rise over bondage, so that you would have a destiny and a future. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, today can be a brand new day for you. Your best days are ahead. With every head bowed on the count of three, I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand. If you're coming back to Christ or if this is your first time giving your heart to God, I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand high on the count of three. We just we want to pray with you. We're not going to make this uncomfortable, but we do want you to acknowledge your new faith in your Savior with the church, and we're just going to pray with you together. On the count of three, don't let the devils talk you out of this. There's so much more ahead of you. One, two, three. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to give you more time. God bless you. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Praise God. Salvation reigns in this place. Thank you. Hey, everyone, let's pray. Please um, repeat after me if you raise your hand. Church, let's pray along. Father God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. I turn from my sin. I make you Lord and I make you Savior. You are the Son of God. Lord, make me whole. Fill my heart with your spirit. Baptize me in your spirit. Give me a purpose. Show me my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.